Hi, I'm Bernard Leung, and you may know me as the executive who buys stuff off from Taobao and Jingdong. And in my spare time, I want to know why Pinduoduo is redefining mobile e-commerce in China. You are listening to Analyze Asia, the weekly podcast dedicated to business, technology, and media in Asia. And today, I have Matthew Brennan, co-founder of China Channel and host of China Tech Talk. Welcome, Matthew, and it's great to have you back here again. Hey, Bernard. Always good to be back. Yes, a lot has happened since then. You have been writing a book on WeChat since our last conversation. What have you been up to? Yeah, so we just announced our big annual conference. So that's going to take over my life. I have to put the book on hold for a bit while we organize the largest digital marketing conference for international companies in Shanghai, which we do once a year. Yeah, that's September twentieth, twenty first. If anyone's interested, and it's always fun. Actually, it's always good to get. It's really special, you know. If you can get everyone in an industry. Together in one place, which is quite difficult to do, then、uh, usually it's it's quite a good laugh. It's also the conference where most of the people within the WeChat ecosystem actually hang out together. You have brought also brought in speakers from Tencent, particularly from the WeChat team as well, right? Yeah, definitely. Last year, I think we had thirty plus speakers altogether. Yeah, there's a lot of people speaking and workshops and things like that. We had a hackathon as well. We might do that this year. We'll see if we can get a hackathon sponsor for the mini programs. Of course, you're here to discuss something. WeChat related because some early employees of the WeChat left to join this startup. We are talking about Pinduoduo, and I think that the Western media has recently jacked up their coverage on the company, which is only three years old and is now filing to go public. Can you introduce the company Pinduoduo to my audience, and what do they actually do? Sure, Pinduoduo is an e-commerce company in China. They're pretty new to the scene. Very much a social e-commerce company. They've really risen up in the past. I would say twelve months is when they've become, people have really started to take notice of them. Their model is quite different from other e-commerce companies, and so it requires a little bit of an explanation in actually how the mecha- mechanics of Pinduoduo work. But suffice to say, they've been really Successful, extremely rapid growth, and I think they're going for IPO now, which is one of the fastest IPOs. I can't think of too many companies, actually, even for China, that have IPOed so fast in terms of like it's been I think about three years since they were founded. And originally, the founder is a Google engineer, Google China. He was working on a team. He actually came up with the concept, which was originally based around fruit, had a different name, Pinhao Huo, I think it was. They pivoted at some point early on、uh, from one model into the, into this group buy model, which we don't really see. Outside China right now, they described it in their sort of investor information as a, a, a mix between Costco and Disney. I think was how they put it. Which sounds extremely strange, but perhaps later on we'll go into the dynamics of how it actually works. It's quite interesting. You have talked about the founder of Pinduoduo, Colin Huang, and he happens to be from Hangzhou too. And not surprising that is also where Alibaba headquarters are. Can you talk about the products and services of Pinduoduo? Sure. So it's an e-commerce platform. The kind of products that we see—it's not really services; it's mostly product. The kind of products we see are low price and typically things that、so、the target customer is is women of、uh, like sort of middle-aged women in lower-tier cities、uh, around China. This target consumer group is very price sensitive, so they love bargain hunting. And in fact, actually, for them, bargain hunting could be considered to be a form of entertainment. That they actually gain a lot of pride, a lot of enjoyment about getting the lowest prices for daily goods. If you go on Pinduoduo, you'll see that actually, I think the the top selling product is like tissue paper. It's like you can buy like twenty boxes or something, quite a substantial amount of tissue paper for an incredibly low price. These kind of deals. This is one of the advantages of Pinduoduo is actually the 
the pricing, when you compare it, when you go onto an Alibaba platform, for example, there is a substantial price difference between the two for certain items. So it's undoubtedly, while there are certain questions about the quality of the products on Pindodor, which I think are very valid, does have a bad reputation, uh, certainly with some groups in China, where for fake goods or for poor quality goods. And from my experience, I have bought goods on the platform to check it out before. And I can tell you those definitely, <laughs> definitely there's some poor quality goods on the platform. But it's undeniable the price is the lowest for sure. So that's what's attracting the customers. And so to give you some example of the product, fruit's quite popular. As I mentioned before, pay, uh, things like toilet paper or, or tissue paper, things like clothes that you wear in the winter to keep you warm there's quite a lot of that stuff you know these are kind of things that that target group like to buy and none of them are very high price so the average ticket price on pindodor is much lower than on other e-commerce platforms so i get a costco part but what about the disney part then the disney part's the entertainment in that you have to share with your friends well you don't have to but you you can buy it individually like if you just see a product and you want to buy it and, and you don't want to get anyone else involved that's fine you can do that, but most people won't. The enjoyment, the Disney part, comes from uh, working together with your friends and adding more and more friends to get the price lower and lower and lower. So they have several mechanisms on the platform that allow you to do that. A lot of it's built around social sharing, and this is why it worked. the platform has really been built upon traffic from WeChat because a lot of this sharing to actually get the price down comes in WeChat groups. So typically a user will maybe open up the app, see something they want to buy and say, okay, if you buy this with five friends, you can actually get not a much lower price, but you'll get a lower price. And so, but you need to share it on in WeChat groups to get those five people. And so this is actually a form of user acquisition. It's actually a very cheap form of user acquisition. So this is a sort of viral, you know, closed loop mechanism where your current users will go out and find new users for you. And then those new users, when they go and buy something, again, there's another wave of them finding out. So it's a very clever mechanism. I mean, that's why we've seen such a rapid growth in user numbers over such a short period of time. Well, the interesting thing about Pindodo in, in some respects is that, you know, it's built upon social traffic, most, mostly in WeChat. And that's an uh, environment that hasn't really been tapped before very well for this kind of e-commerce. It's also an environment where the main competitor, Alibaba, cannot reach because of the, you know, the, the fact that they're blocked in, in, on Tencent products means that this model cannot be copied by Alibaba. Right? So when we look at the other e-commerce players in China, the big ones, the, obviously Alibaba is dominant. They can't copy this model. The other player that's number two is Jingdong, uh, JD. And JD could copy this model, and we actually are seeing them doing a little bit. But JD's positioning is of a is very very different. You know, it's almost opposite from Pindodo, where JD is for high quality goods that are expensive, fast delivery, and you know they're they're gonna sort of guarantee on the platform that what you're buying is a is a real product. Uh, it won't be fake. So you're usually paying a premium for that. So the actual dynamics of those two platforms are almost opposite. So it's very difficult for them to take and copy this model. So there's really a gap here that they've been able to leverage and build in there. And of course, WeChat itself has been heavily pushing e-commerce and particularly mini programs in the past uh, year and a half. And Pindodo is the number one case study for WeChat mini programs. They have leveraged that, that advantage considerably and all the advantages from that of making e-commerce fast and a very seamless user experience on WeChat. They are the poster child. To put it in context for the audience, Costco is a well-known American supermarket chain that leverages on bulk discounts for customers via membership or subscription models. 
the business model championed by Pinkdoto is diametrically opposed to Alibaba and JD, and that provides them a competitive advantage. Yes, the player that could potentially copy this best would probably be VIP Shop, but we haven't seen that. Certainly, the momentum is with Pinduoduo, and I think they've they've already got a very substantial user base and. You know they've built this on WeChat traffic, but that traffic's been converted over to their own app mostly. So this process has already had you know helped them reach a critical mass on their own platform and build. So once once they're converted over to the app, they'll they'll be using WeChat less because they'll just go directly into the app. When you go into the app, actually, it's you know it's not search-driven e-commerce. There is a search bar in there, but it's not as prominent as it would be on a you know on Amazon. Or on an Alibaba platform, where you just type in what you want, and then bam, you've got you've got it all there. This is very much it comes back to the Disney concept. You go in onto their platform and you sort of browse. You, you don't know what you're going to buy, but you, you're just hunting for a bargain. And so it really is kind of an entertainment mindset. How does the different stakeholders from Pinduoduo access the app? For example, if I'm the customer, how do I see the deals presented to me on the mobile app? Or if I'm a seller, how do I put my products up for selling? Yeah, so Pinduoduo from from the seller side, I think they work directly. You know, they're going for actually, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. So a lot of the low cost sellers in China have been using Taobao's the platform that they'll use, which is an Alibaba platform. That's actually by far the largest Alibaba platform. It's the original one, which all and still to today, most of Alibaba's traffic is coming through. A Taobao app rather than Tmall, even though Tmall is where the brands uh, will, will, will come. And those two platforms are seamless, Taobao and Tmall. But everything's really built around this, this Taobao traffic. But I know from personal experience with my wife's family who actually have run Taobao stores for many years, the amount of traffic they get and the amount of transaction volume they get on those stores has, has decreased quite considerably over, it's been a long and slow decline. Because the platform is, it just becomes so much more competitive over as as a sort of long term trend that you have this massive group of of sellers of you know they're selling low cost products right they're price competitive they're not high end products but there's a sort of a trend that a lot of people have have been complaining about is that you know getting getting traffic on Taobao has just become increasingly more and more difficult so there are a lot of disillusioned merchants. That are have been very willing to jump on this new platform, Pinduoduo, and use it as an opportunity to get new traffic, basically, and build up a, a very large revenue stream. They have to do that by you know offering an extremely good deal. So it's, the Pinduoduo platform will work to find the lowest prices on the on these goods. Going back to you know how a user works the platform, I think we explained that before. You know the first time that a user will come in will often be from that that will touch the, the the platform will probably be on WeChat and it will probably be in a WeChat group where someone shares and says, can you help me buy this product? Or maybe on their newsfeed on moment. But later on, they'll be converted over to the app. And then once they're a regular user, they'll start using, you know, going directly into the app and browsing just for fun. How does Pinduoduo monetize as a platform? Oh, sure. I think in that respect, there's nothing that too revolutionary. Um, it's an e-commerce platform, so certain you know, advertisements and placements would be the, the key way. I think they also take a small commission um, as well, but it's pretty standard, you know, stuff. There's nothing too revolutionary in how they monetize. The the, the interesting thing about Pinduoduo is their their model for gaining for gaining traffic. But the flip side of it, Pinduoduo, unlike Alibaba and JD, they do not have logistics of fulfillment. Sure. Yeah, my understanding is that they may have something there, but like it's certainly nowhere near as strong. 
that's to be expected, I guess, because the platform's quite young. They probably wouldn't be wanting to get into that right now. Given that it's so such a price sensitive area, I think that the consumers are willing to wait for the delivery. It's not that, oh, we need it today or tomorrow, that they can run it through whoever's the lowest cost delivery provider and the consumer is fine with that. Who are the investors to Pinduoduo? Yeah, so we've seen some big names, Sequoia Capital, uh, IDG, and of course Tencent. I've even heard rumors that Tony Ma is like taking special interest in Pinduoduo and has had like lots of calls with, with Colin to try and help them and see what else they can do. Because really from, from Tencent's perspective, you know, they're always, they're, they're extremely happy about this because Pinduoduo is on course to potentially take over JD in terms of importance uh, as a competitor to Alibaba in China. They're not there right now. Now, certainly, I think maybe their user numbers are maybe, maybe even surpassed JD. But in terms of the actual amount of transactions running through the platform, certainly they're, they're not comparable right now. But their rapid rise is, is very encouraging. So it's very difficult to compete with Alibaba in China, but Pinduoduo's you know, worked out a model that's, that's doing it, and it's doing it well. Because JD is directly compete with Alibaba in e-commerce, Pinduoduo is actually disrupting the business model of Alibaba and making it difficult for Alibaba to replicate their business model. Is that why the strong interest in Pinduoduo from Tencent? I look at it as like Alibaba is sort of in the middle. By being the biggest platform, they are the, the, the default and they have to you know, take the mid ground, as it were. Whereas JD has got a sort of premium positioning where there's faster delivery, maybe a higher price, but like more peace of mind in terms of what you're buying. And Pinduoduo's on the lower end. So there's kind of like trying to squeeze Alibaba somehow in the middle. We're taking one of them taking the high ground and the other one taking the low ground. Having said that, you know, I think Alibaba's doing fine. I don't think that these either of these players are going to be seriously contending to take over and become number one, especially Pindodo. I don't, I don't see it ever doing that. But especially given that the Pindodo does have, uh, I think I alluded to it earlier on, it does have a very bad reputation with certain more sophisticated consumers. They look down upon the app. Many people will say they would never buy anything on on Pindodo. It has this reputation for being just for lower tier cities and less sophisticated, basically poorer people who are, you know, more price sensitive. I think a common thread that has gone with Pinduoduo is the involvement of Tencent. I also know that some of the early employees from WeChat team has gone over to Pinduoduo. Have they been influential to Pinduoduo's growth? Certainly, it must have helped a little bit, I guess. It's difficult to say how much, but Tencent has without a doubt supported Pinduoduo quite a lot. As we looked at earlier, it's no secret that Pinduoduo as a platform has benefited extraordinarily from the traffic of WeChat. And uh, this is exactly the sort of business that Tencent was trying to incubate through the mini program initiative of opening up the the ecosystem to more e-commerce and, and building up players who can take away market share from Alibaba basically and cut down cut them at their you know at the actual root core of their of their business. Having said that, I believe that Pinduoduo is actually adding to the pie in terms of the e-commerce market in China. So it's not so much that Pinduoduo is taking away market share from Jingdong or or from Alibaba. It's more that they're re- able to reach with their model a, a set of consumers who wouldn't normally even make e-commerce purchases because they're in lower tier cities. They're, they're, they're users who are less familiar with making purchases through their mobile devices. 
and they're, they're coming on board and discovering e-commerce for the first time. For, uh, not all of them, but, but some of them. Pindoro has been able to add to the pie rather than take away market share from the other competitors. So which comes to the real big news of this week, Pindoro is planning to go public in 2018 with about 85.6 million American depository shares in an IPO that's priced around 16 to 19 US dollars and is filing on late Monday show. I mean, Pindoro is only three years old and they have yet to make a profit. It's now valued between 20 to 24 billion higher than the 15 billion valuations in April. I think the first question for me is, why are they going public? The market conditions are really favorable right now. So uh, I think the IPOs, I think everyone knows still, um, although we've seen with Xiaomi's IPO that it's not you know, it's so, so super favorable, but overall, it's still pretty good conditions. Now is a good time to IPO. It's quite for them to not be making money. I think as, as an investor, that wouldn't overly concern me given how fast their growth is. What is special here is just simply how fast they've gone from like literally, it's about, I think about three year period, right? Where they've gone from, from, from a from zero to IPO. I mean, it's that, that is even for China, very fast. I can't think of many companies that have done it that fast. When you look at like the, the user base to get where they are in terms of number of users, I think there's a graph I, I, I put it up on my Twitter. Like for that Alibaba to get there took them a very long time, it took them many years to get to that kind of level. And even for JD, it's much, much longer. So we're seeing a, this super fast growth is, is the reason why I think it's fine for them not to be making profit. To be fair, they have reached a scale where they are able to IPO. Uh, I think the business has some solid foundation and uh, due to their model it seems to be sustainable it's probably uh, if you believe that vip shop for example which was also ipo and is, is of a company you could argue of a, a similar size then uh, you know you look at their stock price and what they're valued and and compare that to to pindodo so where do you see pindodo go from here will they eventually be independent or be acquired by a larger player say tencent or jd no well they've been backed by tencent now tencent's policy is not to acquire their partners their strategy is to share traffic share investments and resources i think if they had we would have seen them take a a bigger share in, in jd if they had a different strategy they've been pretty disciplined I don't expect there to be any change with that from Pindodo. They do have an issue with quality and reputation. I believe if they want to expand beyond their core target market and get into a more mainstream consumer, then they're going to have to address that. And I think they are addressing that. From what I hear, that's one of the things they're really focusing on. Definitely the cost of user acquisition is going to go up as they take in the low-hanging fruit of addressing this market that really wasn't being addressed before. But at some point, those low costs are going to turn into slightly higher costs. Um, so there is a question there over how they can grow beyond the scale. Can they keep this this really, really high level of growth going? And if they can, for how long? But having said that, they've already reached massive scale. They're already a platform of massive scales. Certainly, they're, they're a player in the market. Uh, and I think they're going to stay a player in the market for a considerable time. I just saw want to have a side question to this. Why wouldn't JD acquire Pingdodo then? I mean, Tencent, I can understand the position of them not acquiring their partners. But JD, they're in the same category. Wouldn't there be a situation to consolidate then? Yeah, perhaps it's possible, I guess. But as we addressed earlier, the positionings of the reputations of the platforms are very different. JD might not want to do that in just in terms of a uh, reputation angle, possible. And also, I think that still early days, I'm sure Pindodor doesn't want to be acquired right now. I was 
is my guess. You know, they've got still plenty of growth. Uh, very, very young still. And the founder, I, I imagine, still believes in, in that they have a long way to go. So um, being acquired perhaps is not, you know, not what they want. And they can have the option later after the IPO anyway. So yes, <laughs> it has been a phenomenal year for Chinese companies going IPO. And most CEOs are now banking their bonuses. Does this actually go into the year 2019 then? Oh, I think as long as we see favorable market conditions where companies can IPO, um, at a decent rate, and the market is still fairly positive one, then we will see it. You know, people are already talking about lucking coffee. That would be a candidate for like a fast IPO, something similar to, uh, they, you know, they've been around for less than a year, so they've still got some way to go. But yeah, the, I, I think we could, there's, there's plenty more uh, companies and candidates for this, this relatively favorable market right now. And speaking of Lucky Coffee, I'm going to get you some time on the show to talk about them because I know you and John have done a little bit of in-depth analysis on the coffee company that's rival the challenge Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very interesting company for sure. Um, you know, but going back to your original question, you know, like founders always want liquidity events, right? So we don't know when the market will be favorable again. So it's understandable that there's a, there's a rush. It's also understandable that American investors or, or people around the world would sort of question these valuations because it does seem that there's a premium for China, that the sort of valuations that these companies are are getting now is on average higher than than non-Chinese companies. And, and there's a question over why that is. To me, it does make sense that they, these companies are, if we look at Pindoro as, as a company we're covering today, um, you know, they're really, these companies are really benefiting from the, from the, from the big wave of mobile uh, and from mobile payments as well, which I think is driving a lot of this. It's just a much more favorable market to, to monetize in that, whether you're an O2O company like, uh, like Luckin Coffee or whether you're an e-commerce platform, People are very comfortable and easy to get them to make purchases on their phones. And so this purchase behavior and habit is really, you know, making very favorable conditions for these companies. But, you know, that's the same for U.S. companies themselves. I mean, it's kind of calling the cattle black. <laughs> and obviously, China has three times the market size. So I, I don't know why they're banking on this, why the valuation is overheated. Yeah, the market size is, is, is much bigger as well, for sure. Now, I, I just think you see more behavior uh, in terms of, yeah, people purchase stuff online for sure in the US. And it's, it's in, in, in China, it's just become very seamless experience to what we dis, what discussed today is a great example. Where I don't think you'll see this kind of user behavior outside China so much. So, Matthew, many thanks for coming on the show and, and having this conversation with me on Pingodo. Of course, we're going to continue to talk about these companies because they are still in the process of growing or maybe there might be another liquidity event someday. But in closing, always ask you two questions. The first one is, can you recommend a book, podcast, or anything else that has impact to your work and personal life recently? The book I'm currently reading is the Thinking Fast and Slow. There we go. Which I've really just got into first like two, three chapters. But so far, so good. I can see why so many people are talking about it. It's really having an impact on how I think about how I think. So I'd recommend that. And that's done by the Nobel laureate, uh, Daniel Kahneman. And I think probably for his background and life story and his collaboration on behavioral economics, I also recommend Michael Lewis's The Undoing Project. And of course, the last question, how do my audience find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and also ChinaChannel.co and uh, WeChat, of course. And of course, not to mention your podcast, China Tech Talk with John Upman together.
Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Check out the podcast, ChinaTechTalk.com. China I forgot. I forgot we do the podcast. <laughs> How did I forget? Okay. Yeah, we do a podcast. Yeah. Check it out. And definitely, you can Google me at Bernard Leung. And of course, check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast. And of course, tweet to me if you have any feedback. Most importantly, give me a five-star ratings on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts or give us a star on Overcast and Pocket Cast. And once again, Matthew, many thanks for taking your time to have this conversation with me. A pleasure as always, Bernard.